The Saints upset the Eagles to keep their playoff hopes alive, although they're slim, but it's enough to keep us talking. Plus, Marshawn Lattimore saved the day. We're going to talk about all that right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? As always, welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and Birdsall Law, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media. The Saints upset the Eagles, extend their winning streak to three games, which is the longest of the season by far. A lot of good to talk about, a little bit of frustrating to talk about as well, of course, in a game of this magnitude where you start off 13-0, then kind of give up the lead, and then have to claw your way back into winning position. But let's start off with the first thing. And the first thing that I want to start off before I get into anything else is the fact that Marshawn Lattimore, in his first game back, game ceiling pick six. It was easily the play of the game. It was the play that shut it down, put away all the ne- you know the, the pessimism about whether or not they would blow another lead and if the Eagles would come back. And he, it felt like he was sitting on one. There were opportunities early in the game where I thought that he was going to get an interception, didn't get it ends up getting that crucial pick six to put them up 20 to 10. And I, I think, look, we'll talk about the playoffs in a minute. We'll talk about what the Saints need to do, but they're a better team when Marshawn Lattimore's on the field. We all know that. And you see it in his first game back since October 9th, a pick six, excited for the present in terms of what he did, more, more importantly, excited what this defense could do maybe next year with Marshawn Lattimore fully healthy. 23 is a special player. I want to give him his shout out to open up the show because he really was outstanding. So let's get into this. Saints-Eagles game and what went right, what went wrong. And I think for starters, what went right is something that I talked about last time. And I think it's the one thing that if the Saints do keep Dennis Allen, and I kind of think they will, and I'll talk about that in a minute, I think this is going to be why they're probably extremely pleased with the way the defense has played over the last, I'd say, five games. No team that they've played over the last five games has scored more than 18 points. That team, the Atlanta Falcons, outside of that, done a really good job of shutting down teams like the 49ers, saw today teams like the Eagles. So I think this defense is really starting to play the brand of football that we kind of expected they would, right? When you bring in a defensive-minded head coach and they've done that. There are issues though. And I'm going to get into that main issue I have before I get into the playoff chances because I see a lot of you guys talking about the playoffs in the comment section. I'll get to those in just a second. My issue with the Saints right now, and I think it's something that they're going to have to figure out this offseason particularly, and all of this really falls on Dennis Allen's shoulders, I don't see in any way how you can go into next season with Pete Carmichael back as your offensive coordinator. I haven't been someone that's really defended Dennis Allen. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon, although I'll give him his credit in, in a moment as to why he will stay. The Saints have to change it up at O.C., There's a lot of reasons why, but I think for starters, there's two things. One, they do a really bad job of using Alvin Kamara, particularly on third down. He's just non-existent. Another issue, and I don't know if you guys really saw it today, Taysom Hill in the first half heavily utilized, which is good news for the Saints. Third quarter, they basically went away from him, didn't end up doing well for them in terms of offensive production without Taysom Hill. And then fourth quarter, they kind of say, hey, Taysom, take us home. And guess what? The guy did the damn thing because that's what he does. So I think for, for the Saints utilization of Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill, not great from Pete Carmichael. That's strike one. Strike two for me, Saints are just not a creative play. Uh, play. I would say just a play action team, not creative screen game, not creative. And 
the lack of creativity in the passing game is something that shouldn't happen. And I know you can say the O-line's banged up. You can say the wide receiving group is banged up. You can say, hey, look, Chris, it's Andy Dalton. What do you expect? I'd like to see more. And if Dennis Allen's ever going to be a really good head coach, and I don't really know if that's going to happen. I don't. You're going to need to have that offensive coordinator beside you that really takes care of that side of the football. I don't think Pete Carmichael's that guy. That's not me trying to be disrespectful, just me trying to be honest with what I'm seeing. The Saints might not make a head coaching change, but boy, they need to make an offensive coordinator change. And I kind of think that will happen in the offseason, so we'll see where it goes from there. Now, I said I was going to say something uh, positive about DA. This is what I will say about DA, and this is why I believe he will probably be back besides the fact that I don't think the Saints wanted to fire him in the first place. The team hasn't given up. I thought after the Monday night loss to the Bucs, they would give up. I thought it was the perfect opportunity to kind of say, hey, we're out of the playoff picture. Let's just get, let's get through with this. You know, we got four games left. Scratch it out. Well, they've won three out of the four so far. And if they beat the Panthers next weekend, that means they'll win four out of four and they'll finish eight and nine, which isn't a great record at all. But it'll look a lot better than when it was four and nine back on that Monday night. So they didn't quit on him. And I think that's a good thing for Dennis Allen. And I think that's a sign that, hey, they want to play for this guy, whether people like it or not. That being said, I got to get this off my chest before I open up to what you guys have to say in the comment section. And that is something which I'm pretty sure you guys have already said, and I haven't been able to look. I'm rocking a new setup for today, so my computer's to the left of me at the moment. Why wasn't Elante Taylor utilized today? I don't understand it. I thought Elante Taylor has done a great job this season of really filling in when the Saints need him to. Marshawn Lattimore's out. Let's use him. Adebo's out. Use Elante Taylor. And he's kind of answered the call against guys like DeAndre Hopkins, guys like Devontae Adams, and... Look, he hasn't had that game-changing interception, right? Whether it's been called back or dropped. It just hasn't really happened yet. But I thought Elante Taylor deserved to start opposite of Marshawn Lattimore. He's been the better player than Adebo. And I think for the Saints, you owe him that opportunity for him to start. And not only did he not start today, he didn't play. I mean, it was through the third quarter. We're talking about him not getting a single snap. And here's where I lie in this whole Elante taylor Paulson Adebo argument because I actually think Paulson Debo, a lot of people are ready to give up on him I think he's too young for me to do that I want to see next year how he bounces back if he bounces back but here's where I'm at with Alante Taylor and Adebo when you're doing the argument here Paulson Adebo is not a seasoned veteran he is not someone who's very high on your payroll you're not paying him a lot of money for you to say oh well you gotta play Paulson Debo. no like they're both day two picks on rookie contracts so he's not a seasoned veteran. He's not more expensive than him that you have to play him. But more importantly, he's not playing better than him. Elante Taylor's been the better player this season. So yes, I'm, I'm thrilled that the Saints won. Trust me, I am. That draft pick is not nearly as high. It makes me sleep at night a little bit easier. Maybe it does the same for you. But the part of the season, and I said it an awful amount of times, is we got to see growth from the young players in order for us to feel like there were some wins in this season. And Elante Taylor has shown that growth. So to now take him off the field after he's played some of his best football for Paulson Adebo, who then responds by giving up a long touchdown to A.J. Brown, how do you not get frustrated with that? That's all I'm going to say. I'm really not going to spend a lot of time today ripping Dennis Allen. I think that'd be a little bit unfair. At the end of the day, they did win. They did improve their winning streak to three games. I really can't get all up in arms. But Elante Taylor has been an exciting player in a year where there haven't been a lot of them for the Saints. 
And it's disappointing that he didn't really get to play today. And I think that hopefully for week 18 against the Panthers, that technically the Saints playoff hopes are alive and we'll talk about what they need in a moment. You'd like to see Alante Taylor out there. And I hope he does. So last thing I'll say, and then I'll get to your comments and we'll talk about the playoff odds and what they need. Rashid Shahid is legit. I'm just going to pull up his numbers real quick to get into it. This guy was targeted six times, six catches for 79 yards. He's not just a big play threat, although he is a big play threat. He does a really good job of making contested catches, of making those catches over the middle of the field on crossing routes and just moving the chains when you need him. And it's reached the point where I don't think it's an overstatement to say, hey, I think Rashid Shahid is going to be a big part of this Saints offense for years to come. Like, I think he has looked that good over the last, what, two months? Like, this player has continued to ascend even when the Saints didn't give him as many opportunities as you'd, as you'd like to see from him. So I am ecstatic. I'm over the moon with what I've seen from Rashid Shahid. And I don't know if it's too much of me overhyping it to say I feel like a star is like certainly being born in New Orleans. I know Chris Olave is legit. The kid is outstanding. But Rashid Shahid's the one that's kind of, we're all gravitating towards. So in the final couple of weeks of the season, he deserves all the praise in the world. So Rashid Shahid, shout out to you, my man. You have been fantastic. So without further ado, I'm going to get into your comments. We'll see what you got what you guys have to say. Like I said, going to be a little bit of a different setup. So bear with me if it's a little unusual for you. But Trying something new, trying a little something a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. So we'll get into some of it. First comment here, boy, Marshawn uh, makes a difference. Uh, Marshawn makes a huge difference, and we saw that, right? A.J. Brown, outside of that one big play, didn't really do much. Marshawn did a good job being physical with Devontae Smith as well, and he iced the game. Like, he did what great players do in his first game back, nonetheless. So seeing him out there, it's exciting, and the thing about Marshawn that I get really excited about is we talk about all these great corners in the league. Marshawn's one of those that he's still firmly in his prime. Not like, uh, does he have another year or two left? No, he is in the middle of his prime. And I think we'll feel that way next year too. He's a fantastic football player and the defense really, really hums when he's out there. Andy Dalton tried to give him a chance. Good thing the D wasn't having it today. You know, Andy Dalton had a weird game, a very weird game. You know, we're talking about a guy that initially the way he played this game, I thought he came out sharp, was moving the football. Then he had the interception at the end of the second quarter and everything changed. It seemed like he was second guessing stuff. It seemed like he wasn't confident anymore. And then he started getting sacked about every other play. And part of that's the backup O-line. Like, no Cesar Ruiz. I know Pete's not out there. You know, Ramchek gets banged up. So you're missing the majority of your offensive line. You know, outside of, outside of McCoy, you're really lacking talent there right now. But it seems like he holds the ball a little bit too much. And I'm not going to blame Dalton today. They still won the game. And again, Dalton is a middle-of-the-road bridge quarterback. So he's doing what we expect him to do. But man, he did make it a little stressful. So you guys are absolutely right about that. Comment here from Alexis. She says, well, no playoffs for the second year in a row. So that actually isn't true. They do have a shot at the seven seed. But they got a lot that needs to go their way. So I'll kind of break that down. And then we'll get back into the comments. So if you have other things to put in there, Let's get into that. But let's go through what the Saints need in order to make the playoffs as the number seven seed in the NFC. It's as long as a CVS receipt. But hey, still telling me there's a chance? There is a chance. And let's get through it. First thing, first order of business, taking care of your own business. The Saints beating the Panthers in week 18, they're going to need that to happen. But before that happens, they're going to need the Vikings to beat the Packers 
this afternoon. Now, this game is taking place while we're streaming this and while you guys are talking about the Saints win. So whenever we're done here, we got to turn our focus to that Packers-Vikings game. We need the Vikings to win that one. That's the second thing. Now, once that gets taken care of, they're going to need the Packers to come around and beat the Lions next week. So Packers lose to the Vikings today, beat the Lions next week. They're going to need the Commanders to lose to the Cowboys, which is certainly possible. And then they're going to need the Rams to beat the Seahawks, which may seem like an upset, but I think it is possible. And I want to be honest with you guys right now. It sounds crazy. It's a lot that needs to go down. Saints beating the Panthers, Packers losing to the Vikings, but then beating the Lions, Rams beating the Seahawks, and then Cowboys beating the Commanders. It sounds like a lot. But if you start thinking around, then none of them are impossible. None of them. And I think for New Orleans, that means as long as the Packers lose today, you have something to play for next week. And that's all you can ask going into week 18 with the way this year has played out. So that's the scenario, guys. I don't think it's probable, but it is not impossible. And as I just went through this whole thing, the Minnesota Vikings are at the goal line. So maybe they'll get three points, seven points, whatever out of this and, and get a lead against the Packers. We'll see what happens there. So that's the scenario. And as you guys said, they have a shot, uh, but it's not the biggest of shots. And boy, it would have been great if the Panthers won today. And then all of a sudden, the field really opens up where it's Saints-Panthers. And then you're paying attention to the Bucs-Falcons game. The Bucs-Falcons game is now irrelevant to this entire conversation. And look, part of it comes down to New Orleans could have handled their business on Monday night against the Bucs a month ago. And if they did that, we wouldn't be in this conversation. But that didn't happen. You can't change the past. You can only control what's ahead of you. And they're going to need a little bit of luck to bounce their way. But every team that usually makes the playoffs has a little bit of luck that goes their way. And we'll see how that kind of unfolds. So let me get into more conversations that you guys have. Uh, talking about being big Jets fans and Vikings fans. I actually, I'll have to check. I don't think the Jets game today matters because it's an AFC game. So if the Seahawks beat the Jets, that's an irrelevant win because it's in it's not in the NFC conference record. Whereas if the Seahawks lose next week to the Rams, that is a big determining factor on their NFC conference uh, standing. So yeah, I don't think, I could be wrong but I don't think the Jets game matters as much today. Vikings game absolutely matters. If the Vikings lose today, it's over because the winner of the Packers-Lions game then makes the playoffs, which is pretty exciting for Lions fans, but we don't want to really talk about that right now because focus about our Saints. So let's keep it going there. See Rob talking about the announcers of the, the Saints-Eagles game. That was very interesting. There was two observations I took from the, the Saints-Eagles game. One was, I think... Moose called Demario Davis Demario Dawson during the broadcast, which like cracked me up. I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. But the second thing for me that was interesting is that anytime the refs made an egregious call, they were up in arms. There was a moment where I believe Landon Dickerson got flagged for holding. It was not holding. It should have been an Eagles touchdown. That cost them seven points. I get that. They were more aggravated about that call than I've ever seen any announcer when the Saints had the no call against the Rams. And I'm not saying that's justifica justification for why the Saints should get calls their way. I, I'm not. But it's a holding call that got botched. Those happen every quarter of every football game. It, it seemed a little weird. I'm not going to get up in arms about the uh, you know announcers. Saints won. I really don't care enough about it. But you are right, right about that, Rob. They were a little bit odd in that one, to say the least. Guys talking about getting the seven seed. That is the path to the playoffs. And by the way, Vikings are up 3-0 right now. I'm sure that score will change at some point. 
One day, fans will learn to stop banking your team season on five other teams doing something to help. We didn't do what we needed to do this season. Bottom line, it's not worth our stress. If, if it happens, it happens. It would. I would just go on as if the season's over. Yeah, look, that's actually a pretty good point, right? You can't get mad about it. And now I think the Packers just had a return touchdown. So funny how life works. You can't really go nuts about this whole scenario because, like you said, you need so many things to bounce your way. And, like, when's the last time we've seen a team get into the playoffs where five different things that needed to go their way actually went their way? You don't see it. And it definitely doesn't happen for the Saints because I can go through every Saints season, whether they made the playoffs or not, whether they needed a better seed or not, and it always went against them. Think to last year. Think to a couple of years ago with that Seahawks-Niners game that was stopped at the goal line. They never get the breaks when they need them. So to your point, I agree. Can't really stress about that. That being said, it adds, if the Packers were to lose today, a little bit more intrigue into the final game of the season. See how those players handle a pressure situation and how they respond against the Panthers. And either way, regardless of if they get eliminated from playoff contention tonight or not, you want them to win that game. Eight and nine is not a great record, but you try to take positives from every season. And I think there would be a lot more positives of finishing four on a four-game winning streak than there would be if this team lost all four games, if this team didn't know what the heck they were doing next year. And that could carry over. That could carry over. And like I said, guys, and I said this on the last uh, podcast, the NFC South is not going to get much better immediately. Could get better in three years from now, five years from now, whatever it might be. I don't think next year it's magically going to be a good division. I just don't. So New Orleans might be inclined to say, hey, try and run it back, and we'll see what happens. But it's interesting nonetheless. Offense was not very good. Once again, too many missed opportunities. Sean saved the game for us. He sure did. I I can't say it enough. Marshawn saved the game. And while I'm at it, shout out to Cam Jordan, all-time leading Saints player in sacks. And the way he did it today I think he had three sacks today. He always keeps contained on those run plays. Like Cam is ageless, and he's a guy who I said I'd love to see him go win a Super Bowl, and if that was elsewhere, so be it. I would wish the best for him. But at the same time, he seems like a saint for life, and uh, today was another kind of reminder of how good he's been to this team. And I crack jokes on Twitter all the time. I'll say Kevin White's a Saints legend, and I'm so sarcastic when I say these things, but Cam Jordan a legitimate Saints legend. I I can't say, oh, I'm so proud of him because this Cam Jordan doesn't know who I am, but I really am proud of just watching what he's done and his career's been remarkable. So I want to give a quick shout out to him as well. So you guys mentioning Adebo over Alante Taylor. I wish I had the answer for you guys. I wish I had the answer. And I don't know. And I I went on the long-winded ramp before, so I won't double down on it, but I do think that the Saints, especially coaching-wise, that is where you lose people. Decisions like that, that we get frustrated and you're like, hey, Elante Taylor's been great all year. Well, not all year, but at least the last month. Why isn't he in? And I would love an explanation for that. I'm sure someone asked DA, and I'll go check the post-game comments in just a little bit. But I'm fascinated to see what happens next week. I would like to think that Elante Taylor would play next week, but who the heck knows? You know, had as many screen passes today as AK over the last two games. Well, look, you know, Benjamin, funny enough, There were moments where I thought two of them to be exact. It was one nice carry and then a nine-yard catch where I was like, okay, there are some kind of bursts here. I think he's a player the Saints should absolutely bring into camp next year. They got to get younger at the running back position. I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to bang that drum as many times as possible. 
Alvin Kamara has really picked it up the last couple of weeks, especially the last two games. I would like to see them get younger at the position, whether that's via the draft, whether that's via free agency. I would prefer the draft, though. We'll see what happens. But, you know, Benjamin, two flashes today. Hopefully there's more against the Panthers. And if there are, bring him back for next year. There's no, There really is no negative aspect to doing that. So we'll see what happens there. See more comments here about Alante Taylor, so I'll just get them up on the screen as we talk about it. And I'm glad we're all in agreement here. Alante Taylor should have played. It's egregious that he didn't play. And while you guys are on the subject of Adebo, let's kind of keep it there, right? So Max says, I definitely want to keep Adebo. He's got the talent, did well in camp. Um, he's going to be in the league for a while. I just need some more growth. Yeah, I think Adebo, it's been a rough year, a really rough year. He's had like a two-game stretch where I felt really good about what he's done. But again, next year's going to be year three, still on a rookie contract at a very important position. You can never have enough cornerback depth. So if next year their outside cornerbacks are Lattimore, Adebo, and Alante Taylor, I like that. Like, I- I'm still confident about that group, you know? And, I- and then you go into the offseason and you're not really worried about the cornerback spot. And a lot of teams are. So that's where it's good. Uh, as for the, the secondary part about him growing as a player, you hope that's the case. And I think he showed too many flashes as a rookie to think that he can't get back there because I think he can. So I'm very intrigued to see how that all plays out. I hope it works to his benefit, but we'll see what happens. We're just going to have to be patient. Caden Ellis is a, go- is a uh, goddamn dog. Saints seriously need to do what's necessary to have him back. He is just putting up numbers this year. I'll pull up his stat line from today. He had another great game. Uh, let's get to it here. He had five total tackles, four that were solo, uh, two tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks. He has been one of the breakout stars of this season. And after seeing guys like Trey Hendrickson leave, and we all wondered, is it a fluke or not? I would like the Saints to pay Caden Ellis badly. I think Caden Ellis is starting to figure out what he can do in a larger role. I believe he's only 27 years old. And I think for Caden, he's the type of player that the Saints should want to have in that building, right? DeMario's getting older, and you know that Pete Werner's an emerging star, but who's going to be his running mate once DeMario's time's up? So I'd love to see Caden back. And to your point, uh, yeah, by any means necessary, if you can, bring him in. Just got to have our fingers crossed and hope he's here. But it would really sting if Caden Ellis signs elsewhere and picks up right where he left off this season because I think he's kind of played too well to say it's a fluke. I don't think it's a fluke. I think he's looked that good. Uh, Does it mean he's a star? Absolutely not. Does it mean he's a really, really good football player? Yeah, I think it's that one for sure. Joseph says, I want the Saints to draft a new young QB. Keep Andy Dalton as a backup if you can't get someone better and get a new offensive coach to help DA if they keep winning. Well, I I think that's for certain about getting a new offensive-minded coach. I think Pete Carmichael's got to go. I think that you can convince yourself, and I'm not telling you to do so, but you can convince yourself that DA has made some strides over the last three weeks. I'm not saying he has. You can convince yourself. Pete Carmichael does the same thing every single week, and it's very frustrating. Also, remind you, the Saints are winning games right now with their defense leading the charge. That's DA's side of the football. Pete Carmichael, I, again, I know I sound super critical of him, but someone's got to be, and I think that he should be gone. So I agree with that. As for the young quarterback thing, Saints probably get a first-round pick from a Sean Payton trade. Where it is, I don't know, but we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints like run it back with Andy Dalton or 
pursue a guy like Derek Carr if he gets cut. If Derek Carr gets cut, I think that's someone that the Saints should absolutely look at because you don't have to worry about giving up draft capital and you're still improving your quarterback room. But whether fans like it or not, I think Andy Dalton's going to be somewhere in this equation because he's not going to cost a lot. The Saints probably thought he was okay this year, which he is. You just don't want to start all 17 games with him. And they probably like what he brings to the locker room. I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just saying, wouldn't be surprised. But don't get me wrong. Young QB with Andy Dalton there as the veteran, getting a new play caller. Yeah, like that's the dream. But I do think the Saints are going to kind of one more year push the let's try and compete now. And maybe they do a good job this time around. Maybe not, but that's what they're going to try to do. That's for certain. I I just think that, you know, that's where they're going to go. And I know that's going to upset some people. And I don't blame you guys, right? Like, This Saints QB room needs an overhaul, an absolute overhaul. But I'm just trying to think what they might do. And I don't want to really sit here by, you know, next season and get frustrated that someone's back. I just want to kind of keep it open and understand that it is possible. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But uh, yeah, guys, just keep keep your options open. Consider everyone, you know, whether it is like a Brady or a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo or trading up to get a CJ Stroud or a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson, I'm going to list off a bunch of quarterbacks or trading for Jordan Love. Like there are a lot of options the Saints are going to have this year. You just got to hope they make the right one and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Question about Jets Seahawks. Again, I said before, I could be wrong. I do not believe it matters, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. You have a question. If Washington loses and we win next week, uh, next week, we have playoffs, correct? No, uh, they need more than that. Now, Washington does need to lose next week. The Saints need to win. Saints also need the Packers to lose this week, but then win next week. And they also need the Rams to upset the Seahawks, which I actually think, I low-key think, is going to happen. I just, the Packers one's for me it. Like, because I could see the Packers winning next week against the Lions. I could see the Commanders losing next week to the Cowboys. I can see the Rams upsetting the Seahawks. But what I don't know is going to happen, or where I'm most concerned, is Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and whether or not they can beat the Packers because they have a really bad job of proving they're legit. Kirk Cousins and the, and the Vikings like to say we're legit. We're not frauds. We're not frauds. Show us then. They haven't exactly won a big game this year. They've lost all the big ones, right? Losing to the Eagles. Losing to the the uh, Cowboys. They're just a team that you call them frauds. They say we're not frauds, and then they prove that they are frauds. So that's the one that I actually think if it breaks it all, it's going to start early, which is good because then you don't have to worry about keeping up with everything next week. But that would be kind of the breakdown for you right now. You know, Playoffs are like flipping a coin five times and getting heads each time. Yeah, you're not wrong. And that's actually to the point that someone else mentioned in the live chat before, right? You can't get up in arms over these things because you need to hit five things. And that's a lot to ask. It's not two. It's not three. Five of them. And the NFL, the margins are so tight that it's so tough. And and again, I'm going to make this very clear. I think the Packers are going to beat the Vikings tonight because I think the Vikings are a fraudulent team. And then they'll crush our dreams. But for now, they're alive. So let's just kind of stay optimistic while we can, you know, see what else we got going on in the comments. Since 2017, we've had the benefit of watching the Saints hold the greatest players at nearly every position of this franchise history, and I'm glad I got to witness it. Wow, that's, you're not wrong, right? Like, you have witnessed a versatile running back in Alvin Kamara. You have witnessed an elite shutdown cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore. 
you witnessed one of the best free-ranging safeties in today's game, and Marcus Williams, unfortunately, is no longer here on the team. Witness Ryan Ramchek, an elite right tackle. Witness Trey Hendrickson, who's really blossomed into a really good defensive end. Even Anzalone, we clown on Anzalone. He's been a starter in this league most of his career. This That is one of the best drafts in NFL history. I wish they could have all stayed in New Orleans. doesn't work that way, but good point. That's a great comment about that. Thought we lose the game when the Eagles were gaining momentum and David Johnson was in the game on a crucial third down. All right, you brought that up. I'm not trying to get mad or anything, but it's not 2016. Can the Saints stop putting David Johnson in on third down like it's 2016? Got to mix it up. Got to absolutely mix it up. Chris, do you think Cam Jordan is a future Hall of Famer? Arguably, J.J. Watt is, and Cam has more sacks than him. So I think J.J. Watt is a first ballot Hall of Famer because I think J.J. Watt's peak is a top five defense player in NFL history. I think he was that good. We're talking about a guy from the interior. I think he's got two 20-plus sack seasons. J.J. Watt in his prime, best defensive player that we have seen of the last, I'd say, 15, 20 years, tied with Aaron Donald. Like, those two have been great. That being said, this is my take that I always take to bat. And you know what? If people disagree, that's their opinion. I know what I think about certain things. And what I think about Cam Jordan is I think Cam Jordan is a Hall of Famer. He's got the sack numbers. He's got it at 111 at this point. He's got the personal accolades with the all pros and the Pro Bowls. And this matters. And this matters for the NFL. There are some guys that have been held out of certain situations because of their personality and whatnot, right? Cam Jordan is a stand-up guy. He's a Walter Payton Man of the Year type of candidate player. And he is. There's no doubt in my mind. He is a Hall of Famer. Is it first ballot? Maybe not but he should make the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. And I honestly think if you're a player who's got way over 100 sacks, which Cam Jordan does, you deserve to make the Hall of Fame. And this Cam Jordan, is not, he was never the fastest guy. He was never the strongest guy, but he was technically sound. He was always a lead in the run game. And like I said, at the same time, he also had 100-plus sacks. So, yeah, I think Cam Jordan's a Hall of Famer. I'd love to know what you guys think. So if you guys are in the comments and you feel the same way, let me know. And if you disagree... Also, let me know there. But I, I think he is a Hall of Famer. So we'll see if he gets in. But I, I feel strongly about that. I, I think Cam's career has been one of the more underrated careers in the NFL. So I definitely feel that for sure. So you guys mentioned new setup. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to mention this from now. Over the next weeks, month, maybe two months, like by the end of the Super Bowl, I will have my new setup completely figured out. It's going to be something of this sort, a little bit more laid back with a little bit more advertising behind me with a little bit more black and gold Saints colors and a little bit of a New Orleans spin. I'll have some stuff to put up in the background for it. I'm going to change it up. Really committed to, to keeping these videos going. And in order to do that, I also want to make sure it's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and also looks a little bit better. And I feel like this is better than me just staying at my desk, which is what I've done for the last, I don't know, 12, 16 months of me streaming. So Definitely glad to shake things up for sure. Tired of seeing Dalton taking sacks. Unfortunately, you're not alone. There, there are a lot of people who are tired of seeing Andy Dalton take sacks. That is for sure. What do you think of Carl Granderson's emergence from, uh, from more minutes? Yeah, like Carl Granderson has been in, you know, fantastic. And I'm going to bring up the numbers here because I want to make sure that I'm accurate about what I'm bringing up to the table here about Carl Granderson. But what Carl Granderson's done the last couple of weeks he had two sacks today. He had a sack against the Browns. He had a half sack against the Falcons. So over the last couple of weeks, I believe he's got three and a half sacks over in that stretch. And the thing about Carl Granderson is they're not like those 
ah, quarterback slips. He touches the quarterback. That's it. Like, no, he's coming up with the big plays. He had the game seal and sack against the Browns. He had huge pressures today against the Eagles. And Carl Granderson has been so good that I see less people spending time talking about how bad Marcus Davenport's been from a productive standpoint, how bad Peyton Turner's been from a production standpoint. And instead, we're talking about what Carl Granderson's done. So I'm glad you brought that up. He's a player that while I was going through stuff today, it kind of slipped my mind that I should give him more credit because Carl Granderson had a great game. So I'm glad you brought him up. He does deserve recognition. And we'll see if he can finish it off. I thought the Panthers today against the Bucks looked very susceptible to those speed rushers. That's a good thing for Carl Granderson. So I'll just call it from now. I say Carl Granderson adds to that sack total next week. We'll see if he does. I feel pretty good about it. We'll see what happens there. But he's definitely playing better. What's safety looking like for us in the future? What's May's contract like? So you asked about Marcus May. Let's go to Marcus May's contract. It was a three-year deal, I believe, for $97 million. Um, I, I don't think it's one of those deals that the Saints should feel great about. But let's pull it up here. Marcus May's contract, three years, $22.5 million, excuse me. The Saints could get out of it probably after next year. So I, I would imagine Marcus May is back. And then they could get rid of him, and it really won't cost much, which is fantastic. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with New Orleans. I think you got to stomach another year of Marcus May, which has been filled with no turnovers, a couple of injuries, and unfortunately some bad headlines away from the gridiron. So not really loving what Marcus May's brought to the table. And as I say this, Kirk Cousins just threw a pick, and it's about to get returned all the way to the house. So I've said this a million times, and I'll say it a thousand more times. Anytime Kirk Cousins and the Vikings need to win a game that either benefits the Saints or proves they're not frauds, they wet their pants, and they're doing it again. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And the one game that he won was against the Saints in the playoffs. So, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, but, yeah, back to Marcus May. Not a good contract. It's uh, pretty upsetting, to say the least. I don't know if it was talked about, but welcome back. Lattimore, hope he stays a Saint for life. Yeah, we, we talked about it enough, but can't say it enough, right? Lattimore being a beast, it's what he does. It's what he's always done. I've had Hendon Hooker available in multiple mock drafts. Concerns about his injury and play style. Seeing pundits bring up Max Duggan and Tanner McKee as well. Oh, great question. So, so let's go into uh, Hendon Hooker. I, I think Hendon Hooker had the most underrated college football season we've seen in a little bit because 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions, I believe. Big win against Bama. And yet, wasn't a Heisman finalist. Everyone's saying, ah, he's like a late second rounder now. And I just think for me, Hendon Hooker, I like his play style. I think there's a really nice deep ball. I think when he comes into the NFL, he should be a little bit more pro-ready than others because he is older, right? I believe he's 25 years old already. So he's up there in age. The age thing doesn't concern me as much. The injury, I'm sure the medical stuff will get checked out. But I, I think for, for Hendon, What's the value? If it's second round, if the Saints have a first round pick, you can do that. If it's third round, I say absolutely go for it. Uh, Tanner McKee, admittedly, guys, I haven't watched enough of his film. I will, though, because everyone has told me, hey, check out Tanner McKee when you look through your quarterback. So I'll definitely look at his tape. But you mentioned Hendon Hooker. I do like his play style a lot. I think he's got a really good touch on his deep passes. And I think for Hendon, the question is, are you willing to spend a top 40 pick on him? I don't know. Like, I, I think Hendon's good. I'm curious to see how the medicals check out. And that's going to determine a lot, but I'm glad you brought that up. I do like Hendon Hooker, and I think that 
he is um, a, a solid prospect for sure. Forgot to mention it, but that fourth and one stop on the QB sneak really gave a lot of momentum to defense. It did, right? I think that was it. Like, the defense was a little shaky in the second half, in the third quarter particularly. They got that stop, and everything changed. It felt like that swagger kind of came back in, and they kind of dug their toes in the sand and said, hey, you're not getting past us. You're just not. And I believe the commentators brought it up how the Eagles have not been stuffed on fourth, fourth and one QB sneaks or any important QB sneaks until today. Now, not having Jalen Hurts kind of literally hurts that problem, but still, man, got to stop them in the trenches. They did that. Would you rock with Minshew as our QB? No, I would not. Uh, the, let me tell you why I wouldn't rock with Minshew as a Saints QB. I think Garner Minshew is one of the better backups in the league. I think he's a fringe starter. Like, I think Minshew would start for the Colts. He'd probably start for the Jets. Probably start for the Falcons. But I, w- and I know people might disagree, I'd rather just have Andy Dalton than Gardner Minshew. Now, I would rather have neither. I'd rather the Saints go a different option than those two. But since I'd rather have Andy Dalton than Minshew, then yeah, I'd probably say I wouldn't want to rock with Minshew. And while I'm at it, Gardner Minshew, the last two games have been okay. But you're starting to see why Jalen Hurts deserves a lot of credit when it comes to the MVP combo and kind of what he's done this entire season. It was criminal that the Saints didn't play Taylor almost at all today considering how good he played this year. It, w- it wasn't almost criminal. It was criminal. So, um, yeah, that, that is for sure. Should we look into Max Duggan? I am torn on Max Duggan, man. Part of me sees the numbers, sees the, the grit that he plays with, And I want to believe that Max Duggan can be an NFL quarterback, like a starting NFL quarterback. But I also, and I'm not comparing them as playing styles because I think Max Duggan's a better player. But I've also seen Sam Ellinger give Texas those gritty runs and make those plays that were improvised and win a lot of games at college. And you're like, hey, fan base loves him. He's a good leader. But you watch Sam Ellinger in the pros, and I've never seen him really make a pass in the pros. I'm like, he can be a franchise guy or he can be a starter. And we saw that this year, right? He didn't have it. And I think Max Duggan's a way better prospect. I think Max Duggan's just a better player overall, better arm. Really good job when he gets pressured of not faltering in the moment. Saw that yesterday with Michigan. They're sending the blitz. He's backstepping because he's like, hey, I know if I wait a little bit longer, my route's going to open up for my receiver. So I love watching Max Duggan. And I give all the credit in the world for what TCU's done this year. But I'm going to have to like fully break down his tape and fully dive in to know if I want to go into the Max Duggan thing. But this is what I'll say about Max Duggan, and this is why it's a a double-edged sword. Part of it, I just mentioned Sam Ellinger. There is that other side that, yeah, Jalen Hurts lit up Oklahoma in the Big 12, uh, lit up for Oklahoma, and looked great. And people were like, hey, he's a good runner, but is he an NFL thrower? And he's developed into one, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, like, there is the other coin to that. So that's why I'll never count it out. But... I do think that there's a little bit of hesitancy for me when I look at Max Duggan, but a great college player. And I'll tell you from now, I will be rooting for him when TCU plays Georgia in the national championship game because I'm a little bit tired of Georgia, if I'm being honest about that. Really want to see if Eno proves, uh, can prove his worth next week. Yeah, it would make it easier. To your point, it's one less running back that I have to bring in. They would still need to bring a running back in. It's one less, and that, that would help them a lot. So I, I would definitely be good for that. What if DA somehow takes the Saints to the Super Bowl with a new QB but loses a, a, a close game? Should they still keep him? Uh, yeah. Look, it, I, 
I'm, I've been critical of DA, but if he ever makes a Super Bowl with the Saints, like, then we would have to stop, at least for a little bit, the criticism, you know? And I think DA deserves a lot of the criticism he got this year. He's too conservative at times. He makes the same mistakes. He makes questionable personnel decisions. He has gone wrong with the offensive coordinator hire. But they're going to give him another year, it seems like. And next year's it. Like, no more babying. No more ands, ifs, or buts. You either put up or you get out of New Orleans. So we'll get our answer there. But to your point in that hypothetical scenario, yeah, you would have to, uh, you'd have to stick with him. I thought Jawan proved he can be a tight end one this season. Yeah, I think Jawan is getting there. I think Jawan still has work to do, but Jawan is, he's a solid football player. So he's like a fringe starter, but that's a good thing because he's in his second full year of being a tight end, which means year three, he could pop. He really could. And I'm all in on Jawan, man. I'm all in on him actually being legit at tight end. So, uh, yeah, I like that observation. I, I agree with you 100%. No, everyone wants them to go QB in the first, but if uh, I don't think any of the QBs in our range are worth it. We need uh, we need help on the D-line and free safety. Day two should be reserved for running back and QB. That's a, I 1,000% uh, agree with you. I can't mention it enough. I think the Saints need to get younger on, on the defensive line. I think they need to get younger at defensive tackle. I think they need to get younger and faster at defensive end. So, yeah, I'd love to see them beef up the defensive line in the first round of the draft if they get a first-round pick from Sean Payton. Plus, let's say they trade with the Broncos, right? Broncos own the 49ers pick. That's not going to be a high enough pick to draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis. Uh, maybe even Anthony Richardson it might be not might not be high enough to draft him if someone falls in love with him. So we'll see what happens. But I I love that observation for sure, um, without a doubt. Cody says, why do they always kick field goals on fourth down from the two or three yard line? It drives me nuts. I've always been a big proponent of when you're dominating time of possession and you're dominating in the trenches. If you have a chance at the goal line, two yard, three yards, definitely one yard line, go for it. Because the worst thing that happens is you get stuffed and they got to go 99 yards down the other way. And with the way the Saints played defensively in the first half, there was no way the Eagles were going to go 98 yards to score. So don't kick the field goal. Three does nothing for you. Seven does a whole lot more. And I think that's something for next season. If DA's back, that's what I'd like to see them do. That, that's where I'm at for sure. So if you had a New Year's resolution you would want the Saints to implement, what would it be? I think what it would be is get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. You want to keep DA? Fine. Doesn't have to be all these Sean Payton assistants running the building as well. Go out there. Find an offensive coordinator. Maybe it's a young guy from a team that doesn't work out. But maybe it's a different option. A new voice in the building. Get out of your comfort zone there. How about the defensive ends? I talked about needing to get younger. How about you switch up the mold? They love those power defensive ends like a Davenport, like a Peyton Turner. How about you go out there and get a speed rusher, get a younger option that can give you that speed to power mix that they don't have. So get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone at quarterback too. Andy Dalton's safe. You brought back Jameis because you knew what he brought last year. Explore, go out there. Look into Derek Carr. Look into a Tyler Huntley on the trade market. Look into a Jordan Love. Look into a Tom Brady. Look into the draft with an Anthony Richardson. Look into different options. Figure it out. But get out of your comfort zone. I'd like to see them do that, and we'll see if they do that. But I, I think that's something that they need to do 
for sure. No question about that. So you guys think Anthony Richardson over Hendon Hooker? Talent-wise, talent-wise he is. I don't think he's the better quarterback right now. I think Hendon Hooker is the better quarterback in terms of timing, rhythm, accuracy, deep ball. Anthony Richardson is a better athlete. Anthony Richardson has better intangibles. And because of that, he'll probably get drafted higher. So I'm not disagreeing with the prospect thing. I think Hendon Hooker's a better quarterback right now, though. But Anthony Richardson's the type of guy that, like, I can't see the Saints drafting because I would never trust him in a million years to develop. If he went to a team that has a young, innovative mind and is ready to explore their run game, hell yes. Don't think that's the Saints, though. So for that reason, I'm kind of iffy about that. Hooker's so system-dependent, uh, system and both will sit one year, so what's the downside of a younger player with more upside? There is no downside to that part. The downside is I don't know if I would trust the Saints to develop Richardson. I really don't. Uh, but who knows, man? Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. And to your point about systems, I think every quarterback, for the exception of four quarterbacks maybe right now in the NFL, are, and maybe five, are system-dependent. I don't think Burrow's system-dependent. I don't think Allen's system-dependent. I don't think that Mahomes is system-dependent. I don't think Herbert's system-dependent. And honestly, I don't really think Lamar is. I think actually his system hurts him sometimes because they're so, like, smash-mouth football without investing in wide receivers. Uh, that said, and I'm sure someone mentioned in the chat, like, everyone's really a system quarterback in some degree, right? Some players are better in certain systems than others. Uh, so I don't really lose too much sleep over that, but it's definitely a conversation to have. That That's for sure. That Eagles pick is at 11 now, even pick swap. Uh, yeah, look, the Saints three-game win streak assured us that we will not be listening to the Eagles having a top five pick on draft night. That's really the Saints. And does that make the trade better? Yeah. Does it mean that it, the trade was a win? No. But I'll tell you what, there was a point in this season where I think, you know, Tankathon had it at four. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be just dead inside watching the Eagles with a top four pick. But that is not the case. So I, I'm definitely pleased with that. And if they win next week, that pick's probably, no joke, going to shoot up to like 16 or 17. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, that'll probably be the 16th pick in the draft. And to your point, guys, it'll probably be like a pick swap. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely, definitely in the group there where I do think that the pick's looking a little bit better. That's for sure. If the miracle happens and the Saints make the playoffs, you think Carmichael gets um, his head off his ass and starts getting the offense going with bonuses on the line? No, I, I just think that's kind of who they are, right? Like, I think they are a team that's very conservative, a lot of run plays, and I don't think they made the playoffs that would change anything. I just think they would kind of stick to who they are, which is unfortunate. But I do think that, you know, I would take that anyway. I'd take playoffs over no playoffs. That's just where I'm at in this situation, you know? That's a pet peeve of mine with, when you're within the five, go for it on fourth down. If there's more than 20 seconds left in the second quarter and you have a timeout, get downfield for field goal. I hate, <laughs> hate pissing it away. Yeah, I mean, how many times have they done that this year, right? The, the, the Saints, biggest issue I've seen from them, I, I don't think they're good at kind of like stepping on the opponent's throat when they can, right? Like just putting them out. They don't do that. A lot of teams struggle with that though, so it's not like a Saints strict thing but it is something that I would like to see them get better at. 
you know, DA or no DA. Brady gets too much negative attention with the media. He just bailed, he just balled out today, and it's not crazy to say he's still in his prime. I love to have him for next year. I, I look, I said it last week. I was like, I think people are putting so much of the Bucks' downfall on Tom Brady, but it's like their O line's banged up, their coaching staff has deteriorated, they're not that healthy, and I think Brady is declining because yeah, he's forty five. He's gonna be forty six next season, but he can still play, guys. Like. Saw today, he has some pretty good throws down the field to Mike Evans. So, um, yeah, I'm right there, though. You know? Kind of disappointed at how they've chosen to use Penning towards the end of the season. Uh, I thought he had a bigger role by now. I could be wrong, though. I agree with you. I kind of thought, like, wouldn't you want to know going into next season how he played in a couple of starts? Not the case. He is getting more reps, so, so like, that's good. But I kind of agree with you. I thought that he would do a little bit more. Of all the free agents or tradable QBs, who are your top three and an audible mention or two if we don't draft a quarterback and Dalton or Jameis are out? Okay. Let's go my top three. Free agents and tradable QBs. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna start off by saying Lamar is a no-brainer. Like, Lamar would be the ideal guy you'd want. But I don't think he gets goes anywhere. He's going to get tagged. So, let's take Lamar out of this, even though that would be my dream to see Lamar play for the Saints. Take Lamar out. I would say the three quarterbacks that I'd like to see the Saints pursue, one of them would be Tom Brady. The other one, and that's if you bring in Sean, the other one would be Derek Carr because I think there's familiarity there with Dennis Allen. I actually think Derek Carr is a solid quarterback. I think Derek Carr has his limitations. Like, I don't think I don't think Derek Carr is great. I think he's good. And I think when Derek Carr is playing at his best, he's like the 12th best quarterback in the league, Right. Like, he's in that Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott conversation when he's playing well. So, I think that would be an upgrade for the Saints. The third guy, this would be a trade, and this would be the, if the Saints want to get super risky. I'm interested in Jordan Love. Like, I'm biased. Like, I like Jordan Love coming out of Utah State, and I don't know what Jordan Love's trade market would be. But I think Jordan Love is the type of player that, like, you take a swing on if it's not that expensive to get him because... The arm is there. He sat behind Rodgers for three years now. He's he's had to learn something, just something there. So it's this is bias coming into play for me. But yeah, Brady, Derek Carr, and Jordan Love would be a guy that I would look into. Like I think Jordan Love's got a really good arm, and I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be a starter, but someone's got to find out. He's still really young, and the only way you find out is if he plays. So that that for me, you know, is is where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And I see some people talking about maybe going for Jordan Love and it makes sense. Yeah, I would, I'd pursue him if the other options aren't there. Like, I think Jordan Love has some talent. And I'll, I'm telling you guys from now, it's a warning from now. When the offseason begins, I'm going to do about 20 different videos, each on certain quarterbacks that the Saints could pursue and whether or not I'd like to see them do that. So just keeping you guys a, a little warning for that because I, 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 it's a QB carousel that's about to be spinning and we'll see where the saints land on it this is i like this comment here Carr is a product of having to play like brady to win games because his team constantly has him in terrible positions which he can't do i saw two things about Derek Carr that like for me were like okay i think he gets too much criticism one since he entered the league in i believe 2014 the raiders have had the 32nd ranked defense in the nfl over the last eight seasons he's had six head coaches they have butchered 
first round pick after first round pick after first round pick while he was there. So instead of helping the supporting cast around him, you drafted Henry Ruggs, who's out of the league. You drafted Damon Arnett, who's out of the league. You drafted Alex Leatherwood, who's out of the league. You drafted Jonathan Abram, who is not a good safety. You drafted Cleveland Farrell, who is a bust. Those are like five first-round picks right there. Those could have been guys that you built around Derek Carr, but instead you whiffed on them. So, yeah, I, I think Derek Carr is a really intriguing option because he's a solid quarterback, not a great quarterback. He knows DA. So, yeah, I, I think that um, it's it's going to be fascinating. Are you going to be doing these streams for playoff games regardless of us being in or not? Love these post-game rap slash chill sessions. Well, I'm going to definitely do live streams this offseason for sure. I don't know if I'll do it with other games because I, I just – I don't know if I'll – like how I'll feel about them, but I will definitely be doing live streams if any news breaks for the Saints. Like if Sean Payton gets traded, you bet. Ten minutes later, five minutes later, we'll be here to cover it live. If the Saints make a trade for a quarterback or sign a quarterback, we'll be here to cover it live. Uh, if the Saints make a trade on draft day, cover it live. Free agency signing. I'll have all that. So live streams will not be going anywhere. Uh, they will not be on your Sundays as we've done this season because season's got pretty much done at this point. We got one more game left, hopefully another, but Vikings are doing a pretty good job of making sure the Saints don't make the playoffs. So that stinks there. But uh, yeah, live streams will not be going away anywhere. I think that this this system of just being able to chat with you guys like i i enjoy the heck out of it so uh, they will not be going anywhere for it from me i i just can't see it all in all this season has been bad but they've had a strong run since 2007 and we've had season a season similar or worse than this and we've bounced back i have faith yeah look this is where da gets to prove if he's a guy or not uh now we all think he's not but if they bring him back next year that's it. Like, I think it'll be, you make the playoffs next year or you're fired. And I think there's a finality to that. And there's closure to that, that you feel good about it. And to your point, look, us Saints fans. Yeah. This has been a, a miserable season. The worst it's going to finish though is seven and 10. And you're not staring down the barrel of like constant three and 14 or three and 13 or two and 15 seasons that other teams have gone through, right? Like the Texans, they don't have a coach. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a good roster. Like, that's that's where you don't want to be. You know, I saw so many people this year talking about, like, Saints are done for years. They're done this year, even if they make the playoffs. And next year could be difficult, but salvageable. But they have so much young talent that it's like, they'll, they'll get back there someday. It's just a matter of DA is going to be the guy to get them there. But I agree. Like, too much pessimism right now. Let's wait and see what happens last, next year. One of these years, the Saints aren't going to be completely dismantled by injuries. One of these years. I don't know which one, but it's going to be one of them. With that said, though, guys, it has been a fun hour in what might be the most, probably the biggest win of the Saints season. We'll see what happens. So I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. I've enjoyed chatting with you guys. As always, make sure you subscribe to Boot Crew Media's YouTube page if you haven't already. Also, pay attention to the Vikings-Packers game. Vikings are, at the moment, getting just thrown around but we'll see if they can make a comeback there. If they do, then all of a sudden it's game on for next week. And if not, playoff hopes are, are kind of dead. But for now, they're still alive. We'll see what happens. I've enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoy your New Year's Day. Enjoy the upcoming week. Let's hope 2023 is a good year. And as always, guys, stay tuned for more content on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.